The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, what's up, 8 a.m.? How you guys doing? You're here. It's sunny. It's summertime-ish, so we're doing well. Welcome to ACF Church if you're new. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. Glad that you're here. You're like, is somebody going to preach, or are we just going to watch Colbert all morning? So I could just show you the rest of it, but uh, it's hilarious. You can check it out on YouTube. But uh, if you don't know anything about Stephen Colbert and this whole story here, basically he had uh, been on uh, Comedy Central playing different characters for years, and now he has this late show, and people were like, who is the real guy? Because they hadn't really, they'd seen caricatures of him and, and characters that he had played, uh, but they'd never really seen the real Stephen. So they're kind of like, who is... Stephen Colbert. And so the question that we are trying to answer throughout this series is, who are we? Who are we? Really, as we get down to it, who are we? And, and the, the series is called Blind Spots because uh, as we talked a, a couple weeks ago, I think many of us are blind to the reality of who we are. We talked about three different chairs that we had up here on the stage, one of which represented the, the, the version of us that's kind of blinded and deceived into thinking that we are things that we aren't. Because the reality is, uh, there's stuff about you that you don't realize. And uh, all you have to do is ask your friends, or your wife, or your husband, or your parents, and you will figure that out. There is stuff that you can't see in your life. And so most of us kind of walk through life a little blinded to the real us. And the goal through this series is just to go to the Word of God. And, and I believe this. I believe as we, as we identify who we are in Christ, we will find the truest version of us. We'll find peace, we'll find wholeness, and, and the goal uh, is, as we've said th from the beginning, that who we are determines what we do. And this letter that we're walking through, the book of Ephesians, uh, is a letter to a people that needed to know who they were. A lot of new believers, a lot of young Christians, and Paul is writing to them to encourage them to, to operate out of their new identity. And when we do this, when we operate out of who we are, I think we feel whole and complete. Because, you guys, it takes a lot of work to, to fake it, doesn't it? It takes a lot of work to act. It takes a lot of work to try to be something that you're not. But most of us, we live our whole lives doing this, trying to impress people, trying to, uh, to get by, trying to make a name for ourselves, you know, trying to feel like you know, we've earned our place in this world because of what we do. Uh, and, and for most people, as they identify themselves, they identify themselves by what they do. But you guys, the goal through this whole thing is that you would get this, that you are so much more than what you do. You are so much more than what you do, and, and our identity is differently, uh, different than what we identify as. Our identity is found in Christ alone, and, and so hopefully you can find that. Hopefully that uh, you've, you've started walking into that, and we're going to keep looking at this kind of like a prism from different angles so that we might operate out of who we are. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Ephesians. Um, if you don't have one, you can download the ACF Church app on your phone, your Android, or your iPhone, and all the scriptures are in there, the notes are in there, follow along that way, or on the screen behind me. But uh, I want to celebrate this. Hey, in the last week, we've baptized 28 people. Is that awesome or what? <laughs> Praise God for that. That's so good. A little golf clappy there, but you know, I mean, it's good. You guys, it's early, I get it. No, I mean, 
this is exciting. This is awesome. I just, I was like, man, we're just going to leave this tank up. And if people keep getting in it, we're just going to keep baptizing people. So I love it. That's if, if uh, man, if you've been around the church a little while, you know that this is what makes our heart beat, really, is, is seeing people find life in Christ. Because we really believe that when people find out who they are in Christ, they find life. And there's life in Jesus, and there's wholeness in him. And so um, I'm going to continue on here today in Ephesians. And the topic, the, the, the focus today is about prayer. Now, just show of hands real quick. How many of you think that you pray way too much? Like you're just always praying. You, you just you feel like you're in communication with God. He speaks to you. You speak to, the, to him. It's like it's a constant. I mean, none of us. None of us really feel like we pray too much. Um, I don't. I feel like I've had seasons where I've committed to being a person of prayer. But in general, I don't, uh, I don't think I think highly enough of prayer. Can we agree on that? I think a lot of people would probably um, agree with that. That uh, in certain moments you pray, when there's a need you pray. And, and I would say this, that most of our prayers can, can fit into one of these categories. Help me, save me, heal me. Right? I'll be honest. Most of our prayers fit into the either help me, save me, heal me categories. In those moments, we talk to God. And, and, and if, if we were to, to get inside your head and hear every time you prayed, or if we could just kind of put it up on the screen, and we're like, we're watching like a ticker, like ESPN, or we're, we're watching all of your prayers go on the bottom of the screen, it would tell us something about the way that you view God. It would communicate something to us about how you see God and how you feel like you fit into his, his picture, into his universe. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've studied prayer, you know that prayer is a, it's a very simple thing, but yet the concept is very deep. There's a lot that goes into prayer. Like, what is prayer all about? And in fact, Jesus was asked about prayer. And, and when he, he was teaching them how to pray, we have what's called the Lord's Prayer, which we don't even have time to go into. There's so much great wisdom in the Lord's Prayer. But in, in his prayer, he, he, he mentions like that, that God knows what we want before we even ask him. You know, like he, he tells these people, like God knows what you want before you even ask him for things. Like God knows you. He knows your desires and your wills and your hopes and your dreams. Which for me, when I read that, especially as an early, uh, early Christian, young Christian, I, the first question that came up was, so then why do I pray? Right? That's the, that's the logical question. If God already knows, if he's already got it figured out, why would I go to him? Why would I pray? What's the purpose in all of this? And I want to just kind of boil prayer down into one simple statement. I think prayer is simply this. It's to go to God, to hear his, his voice, align his will with your will, and then move forward. Prayer is about aligning yourself with God. It's about hearing him speak so that you can align your life with his will and you can take a step forward. And that's what prayer is all about. But prayer has turned into a lot of th different things for a lot of different people. He tells people, hey, don't pray like the hypocrites, like out in public, you know. The hear ye, hear ye, I'm going to speak to God, I'm going to show you how spiritual I am. He, he says, go, go, go speak to God in silence at your home. You know, go, go close the door and have moments with God. There's so much that goes into it. But we're going we're gonna to kind of ask this question this morning about your prayers. Just to kind of identify what you think of prayer and how God views it. But where do your prayers spring up from within you? Like, why do you pray? What's the purpose in it? Is it to get God to do what you want? Is it out of fear? Is it out of desire? Do you have hopes and dreams that you're hoping God will step in? Like, where do your, what's the fuel for your prayers? And I think when we find out what fuels our prayers, uh, we're going to find out what the purpose of prayer 
really is. So let's, let's go to God. Let's pray. How about that? Um, and then we'll get into the word. So Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thanks for the sun that's outside and, and this beautiful place we get to live in. Uh, thanks for these few moments that we have together to open your word and ask you to speak to us. God, I pray that we could be changed and transformed by you. God, would you just um, even surprise us by your presence here? Uh, God, I know sometimes it's easy to show up to church and uh, we're not even completely present. And God, you are here. You're the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the God that gives us grace and peace. And so, God, we ask that you would, uh, you would speak and change us, surprise us with your grace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1.13 is where we're at. And uh, last week we kind of skimmed over this one verse, and I want to jump into it to start off this week. And it says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So this is a springing passage into this next section. He's saying when you follow Jesus, when you, if you're here today and you've made a, made a decision to, to, to let Jesus be the king and the, the Lord of your life, then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, that God actually lives inside of you, which is awesome. How cool is that? God himself, in the form of the Spirit, lives within us. So when you become a believer, you don't have to do this alone. It's not like a list of to-dos. It's not like, you know, I've got all this work to do and I've got to figure out, you know, how to, how to be a believer. Like, the, God himself comes inside of you to teach us, to enlighten us, to show us what it looks like to live like Jesus. Now, we can educate ourselves and we should, you know, go to church and learn and stuff, but God himself is going to help us to follow him. So God lives within us. He's going he's gonna to speak to us when we're in Christ. And it says in verse 15, For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and, and your love towards all the saints. So Paul, again, he's writing from prison. Don't forget this. Paul is behind bars. He's, he's a pastor. He planted this church in Ephesus. And he's in prison, and he's hearing about their love for each other. How awesome is that? Don't you want to be that kind of church? Like people in prison somewhere in Alaska are like, did you hear about ACF Church? I mean, that's crazy. Did you hear what they're doing for each other? You hear how they're pouring out love and generosity and care for each other and for the community? That is crazy. So Paul somehow gets word in prison that this church loves each other, loves the community, which is amazing. I hope word for, uh, of us is spreading. And I, in fact, I kind of hear this sometimes. Some people will show up to ACF Church and I'll be like, hey, how did you hear about us? And they'll be like, well, we were, this is our first week. We just got to Alaska. We came right here because, you know, at our last uh, station, somebody was like, hey, if you're in Alaska, go to ACF Church. They love each other. They love the community. Go be part of that. So I think in some ways, like, our word is spreading. People are hearing about what's happening in this community, which is beautiful. And, and this isn't a church just that, you know, speaks good things. This isn't a church that has all the right words. This is a church of faith, this, this church in Ephesus. And that's why it's growing, because they literally, they believe. They believe in what Jesus has to offer, and they live it. They live it. And we, you guys, we want to be that kind of church. We don't want to be a church that pays lip service to Christianity, lip service to Jesus. And, and the word faith in Scripture is always tied to action. It's, it's literally to put your whole weight on something. And this is the kind of faith I think this church has and the kind of faith that we as a community want to have in Jesus. The kind of faith that puts our whole weight on something. And I just had this image in my head like if you ever walked into a really old house 
and you walked into the room and you saw that the, the floorboards are a little kind of wonky. And, and, and what do you do? You kind of like put your foot out on it. And you're like, I don't know. And, and you just kind of test it. Or maybe you've gotten up into a tree house or maybe you're a hunter and you found like an old, uh, an old tree stand and you kind of climbed up into it and you're like, I'm not so sure. And you're kind of putting your weight on it a little bit, testing it out. I would say the church is full of people who are testing out God. They're still testing out God. They have yet to put their full weight in God. I mean, they're just still not quite so sure. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're at church and you're still just sort of testing him out. But once you put your weight in God, it, you will overflow with love for him, love for each other. It's going to change the church. So word is traveling about this church in Ephesus. And, and I love, I think, word is traveling about, uh, about us here in Eagle River, Alaska, because we're loving each other. And I hope that we do more of that. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul gives gratitude to God for them. Like, I just imagine this man sitting in this cold prison cell thanking Jesus. How weird is that, right? In a moment where he should be like, God, why am I here? Why did you put me in jail? If you're God, then why did I get, why did I get put in jail like this? And maybe shaking his fist at God. Instead, he's just thanking God. He's just thanking Jesus. He's in prison. He's like, man, God, it's so cool that, that they love each other. It's like this is all he cares about is the forward motion of the church. Because he knows this is going to change the world. This is going to change lives. Like we today are recipients of Paul's ministry from prison. The church continues on, and it heads for thousands of years because of that early church. Those faithful believers, we actually are, are inheriting a lot from them here today. So Paul's like thanking Jesus for all of this, but he doesn't just thank him. He also asks for things, which is good. And this is where we're going to get talking about prayer a little bit. He thanks God, which is important. And like we read, we read in the Lord's Prayer, to start off by, by saying, hallowed be your name. Thank you, God. You are holy and worshiping. But he's also willing to ask God for things as well. And you guys need to know this. If you're the kind of person where you, you don't really want to bother God with stuff, you're not so sure, like, uh, God, you're like holding the universe in your hands. Are you really worried about, you know, my math test? You know, are you, are you really worried about this little health issue that I've got? Are you really worried about my fears of, you know, not getting the position at work that I want to get? Or, you know, are you really worried about my insecurity as a mom? Like, are you, you guys, God is a good God. And, he's, and as a good father, any good father, he wants to hear your requests. He wants to hear you speak to him. So Paul goes to him. And I love that he goes to God with his request before he goes anywhere else. And I was thinking about this for me. Um, I go first to request help to the place that has the most authority in my life. So if you're going through something, if you have a need, where you go first is going to reflect what has authority in your life. And, and, and I'll say it like this, like my kids will actually, will be in the kitchen together, and there'll be cookies on the counter, and they will walk around me, bypass me, go down two flights of stairs to Amanda, my wife, and they will ask my wife, I guess my, my kids aren't the only ones that do this, so they go to my wife and they're like, mom, can we have a cookie? And she go, I can always hear it, this happens all the time, wait, you mean to tell me you came down two flights of stairs to ask me for a cookie and your dad is in the kitchen? What are you doing? 
But for me, like, I get it. I understand why they do this, because a lot of times I'm away at work, you know, I'm doing other stuff. Mom tends to be the one in the house, and they're like, why would I ask dad? He's just going to go say, ask your mother, right? And so I'm going to just go straight to her. I'm going to ask the question, find out if I can have a cookie. And so these kids, they just naturally go where they can get answers. They, that's what they do. And I think we're kind of the same way, like, your prayer life, whether it exists or it doesn't, reflects what is in most authority in your life. Do you get that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, are, are you getting that? When, when you are a prayer, when you're the one that you're going to God, it means that God is the one that you think can do something about your situation. If you're not someone who prays, you tend to operate doing other things. You tend to try to fix the problem on your own. It is showing you who you believe has the most authority in your life and in the world around you. People of prayer are saying that God is an authority over all things, and he should be the first one to ask for things. He prays in verse 18 that uh, they'd have their eyes, their hearts enlightened. They'd have the eyes of their hearts enlightened. Now, for the Greeks, their hearts were the place of understanding. For us, it's our, our heads, our minds. So we say things like, I can't get my mind wrapped around that. You know, I can't get this into my head. But for them, it was the heart which I really love that because we have this sort of, this way of looking at things that dissects the heart from the mind, right? Where we think we can get things in our head, but we realize that those things don't necessarily get into our hearts. And this is how it is with many believers. They have a certain understanding of theology, a certain understanding of who God is and how we work, but it's not really in your heart. Because when it's in your heart, you're going to respond differently. You're going to be a person of prayer because God is the one who's in authority over you and over your situation. So he'd be the first one to go to. So he's saying, I'm just praying that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened, that you'd have discernment and wisdom to understand who God is and how to respond. He said that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That you may know the riches of your inheritance. So we talked about this last week, this idea that as believers, as Christians, we're actually brought into the family of God, and we're actually given an inheritance from God. Not something just in the future, but literally today. Like you are made a son and a daughter of the King, Most High, when you become a believer. So that's awesome. And he's like, I want you to get this, church. I want you to get the weight of what this means, that you are a son or a daughter of the king, that you've been given this inheritance. I want you to comprehend this completely, what you have in Christ. I, I talk a lot about my kids because they just teach me a lot. They, I find money everywhere in their rooms. I find money everywhere. When we wash their clothes, there's always money coming out of the pockets. You know, you hear the, the change pounding around in the dryer. Money everywhere. And when you give it to them, they're like, oh, thanks, you know, whatever. And they Toss it somewhere else, you go find it later. Because for them, money has almost no value, right? They, they just don't, they don't even comprehend the value of money at the age of four, right? It's just, it's a little thing to play with. And they, they huck it and we're like, no! <laughs> I think of the hours I work to make that money. I think of, you know, the people that don't have any money. And I think how valuable that is. We don't throw it away, we put it somewhere very safe. We want to hold on to it. We want to use it properly. Paul is like, he's praying, guys, would you get the inheritance you have in Christ, this new life that you have? Do you see the value in it? Or do you kind of toss around your faith like, ah, you know, yeah, Christian, you know, whatever. You talk, yeah, Jesus saved me, the, you know, the cross, yeah, you know, this whole idea that, you know, my sins are taken away on the cross, that's cool, it's a good idea, you know. I, I get to go to heaven, that's, that's awesome. He's like, do you get what you have? Do you understand the value of what you have? 
In verse 19, he says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul starts off by, by talking about, talking about the, uh, the, the prayer, and then he wants to talk about the power, the power in the prayer. Like, where is this power coming from? And I don't know for you if you've ever been awestruck by power, overwhelmed by power. Um, before I was a, a pastor, I was running heavy equipment, which I just love. If anybody has like a bulldozer or a backhoe or something, you just want to let me run for a day, I would totally do this. And have you seen this? I guess you can actually pay money to go do this. People that ha don't have jobs where they get to run equipment will actually go on vacations to run equipment. And they just like, like they move dirt from here to here. And the next guy gets in and he moves the dirt from there to there. And they pay lots of money for this. Anyway, I get that now because I don't get to do that. But I love running equipment because it's, it's powerful. I love running equipment. And so I was, I was working on this foundation for this huge hospital back in Colorado. And they let me run this, this bulldozer. And it was like this D10 mining bulldozer. It's monstrous. They were digging through all this bedrock and stuff. Anybody ever run a D10? A monster bulldozer? Just, just huge. And you feel like when you, when you start it up and you start moving, that it's just going to dig its way to the, end of the, and like to the other end of the earth. I mean, you just let it go. And if you're not careful, it'll just dig a trench. And, and you'll just be beneath the ground in this bulldozer. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing power. And I remember running this thing thinking this is a lot of power. Maybe for you, it's, it's the uh, earthquakes in Alaska. Are you overwhelmed by power? Uh, do you become a Christian every time the ground shakes? You're like, I didn't really have much faith until this morning. It was a 7.2, and you turn into a prayer, right? Come on. You don't pray until the, the bed starts shaking, the earth starts shaking, everything's shaking, and you're like, it's just not supposed to be that way. But those are those moments where you're awestruck by the power of God, and you realize how small you really are and how big something else is. He wants to get into your head. Do you, do you realize how big God is? Do you realize the authority that he has, the power that he has? We need to understand this, He's, that when we are in Christ, we have access to the power of God. And that's an amazing thing to have access to. Just like when I'm running that bulldozer, like to think that, you know, I in some way can, can, can move this thing is, is wild. And he's saying, He's trying to help you get how big this power is by saying God is so powerful because he is the God that brings dead people to life. Amen? Like he's the God that takes dead people like Jesus and raises them to life. Now you've seen a lot of amazing things in your life maybe. Maybe you've seen earthquakes and you've seen ground move, but have you seen somebody that was dead brought to life? Because I haven't seen it. But I know the God that I worship, the God that I serve is the God that makes dead people alive. So that means that that's a powerful God, right? That's a powerful God. And he wants to get them to understand that power so that they can, they can catch uh, what they have access to. Because somehow, you guys, and this is the mystery of prayer, somehow within God's sovereign will, when we pray, it moves the hands of God. It, it moves the hands of God. Sometimes I think God's just saying, would you just ask for what you want? Would you just come to me and submit to me and, and see what I might do? So Paul's trying to get it into their heads. You have the power of God on you at all, all times if you're in Christ. Now, my wife Amanda and I, we've been having this ongoing conversation about uh, her getting a concealed carry permit. So this is totally an Alaska church illustration. Oh, if you're like a pacifist, it's just for show. So um, 
<laughs> so like, anyway, so we've been on, having this ongoing conversation, and she's like, I don't know, I've just been thinking about getting a concealed carry permit, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, and uh, you know, she's grown up around guns, and I'm like, I don't know if I want you having that on you, we've got little kids around, and she's like, no, like, I would go to the class, and I would learn all about it, and, and I'd make sure, you know, we, we do this right, we want to be wise about this, and I just, we had this long conversation where I'm like, Amanda, do you get that when you've got this on you, you can't forget about it at any time. Like, you don't, you don't walk into a room and, and forget to think that you have a gun on you. If you are a concealed carry permit person, then you know that you always have to know this is on you. You can't just, like, leave it in your purse in the corner. You know, you can't just sit down in a room and have it, like, sticking out. And I mean, it's like if you, if you have a permit, you got to learn that at every moment, in every place that you're in, you're always thinking in terms of, I have a, a weapon. I have a liability on me. This, this potential to, to help save somebody or hurt somebody is on me at all times. And I'm like, Amanda, you just, if you do this, you cannot forget. You cannot forget it. Or someone's going to get hurt, you know? And I feel like what Paul's saying is like, do you guys get the power that's on you? Or do you just kind of walk around like, eh, not a big deal? I don't know. Yeah, the God of the universe, the God that shakes the earth is inside of me. But yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm going to fix my issues. <laughs> I can fix my problems. I can take care of this. He's trying to get that through their heads. He is with you. Verse 21 talks about his power. He's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That's the God that we serve. Who is the greatest authority? Jesus. He says he, he seats Jesus at the right hand of his throne and gives him power and rule of, and authority over all the earth. Who has the greatest? So we're going to do something together. I want you guys to speak back to me. Wake up. I know you're, you, you know, it's early a little bit. But here's the church. The church answer for every question in church is always what? Jesus. Jesus is always the answer, right? So, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions. I want you guys to say it back to me together here. So uh, who puts the breath in your lungs? Jesus, okay? Who was there in the creation of the world? Jesus. All right, all right, right. Who created all of the animals and the creatures? Jesus. All right, who knows the number of hairs on your head? Jesus. Who is stronger than the government? Jesus. Who determines who the next president will be? Jesus. We pray, dear Jesus, we pray that he will. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Who knew you before you were born? Jesus. All right, all right. Who has the authority to tell you how to run your marriage? Je Jesus, right? Who has the power to tell you what your job should be? Jesus, right? Who can tell you how to spend your money? Uh, trailing off a little bit. Who can tell you when to forgive? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All right, so we could keep going. But here's the point. I feel like I, feel like I get that God's, God's all-powerful, and, and that's cool. It's like, yeah, he created everything, created me, knows me, that's great. But I feel like when he gets into my, my, my living room and into my house, it gets really weird. You get that? Like, he can be out there you know, creating the world, making the sun rise and set, you know, putting breath in my lungs. He can help me. He can do everything for me. But when it comes to him being an authority in my life, it gets, it gets difficult, right? Are you there? Anybody struggle with that? Like we just said, God is in power and in rule and authority over all things on the earth. That he is the one that holds everything in his hands. Colossians 1 talks about that. 
That God is in rule over all things. That everything is, is in Christ. But then when he gets into my living room, when he gets into my life, when he tries to tell me what to do with my life, I get a little bit weirded out by that. He is an authority over all things. And he always has the best for us in mind. And prayer is about, again, us understanding his will so that we might submit our lives to his power. You see, prayer isn't about control. It's about submission. Prayer isn't about controlling God. I am so glad that we have a God that can't be controlled by his creation, right? That's a good thing. That's a really good thing that God can't be controlled by us. But again, when we pray, it can move the hand of God. And so that's why we do. We pray fervently. It can move his hand, but it always changes us. It always changes our hearts and causes us to submit to him. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So God put all things underneath the feet of Jesus, and he gave Jesus to who? The church. Amen. How cool is that? God put all things underneath the feet of Christ, gave Christ and his power and authority to us, the church. He's the greatest power over all things. Now, my dad was a, uh, when he retired from the Air Force, he was a chief. And he worked 20th Air Force in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and um, so proud of my dad. He just, my dad did, did a great job of balancing, you know, work and home, and uh, I just couldn't be more thankful. I know some, some of you have stories of broken parents and broken families, and, and you've gone through some really difficult things. I just, um, not by my goodness, but God, God graced me with a really good dad, and I'm thankful for him. And, uh, and, and he, used to, uh, he used to invite me to work sometimes, and, and before he retired, I remember going in there. And we'd walk into the office, and people would kind of like, you know, they, they'd look up, you know, Chief's coming. Look busy, Chief's coming, you know. And, and, and he'd walk into the room, and people would kind of like be typing, the little cubicles, their heads would pop up, you know, what's up, Chief? They'd talk to him, and we'd walk into his office, and he had like all of his awards over the years. Maybe this, I don't, I haven't gone into anybody else's office like this, but he has this whole wall of, he called it his I Love Me wall, and it was just covered with like junk that he'd been given over the years and awards and things he's gotten from all these different people. And, and, and I remember like I loved going to the office with my dad because I had this sort of like chief son swagger that I'd walk through the room with. Like, it's my dad. Chief. Chief Cook. It's my dad. And, and I just, I'd kind of walk around like I'm pretty hot stuff because that's my dad. And, and, and I feel like what Paul's trying to get into our heads is this like you are a son and a daughter of the king. And not that you should be cocky or confident in your own strength, but that you should understand the power and the authority that God has and that you have as his son or his daughter. Like, like to, for you to walk through life like God's my father. I mean, you can have confidence in that. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're struggling with in your family. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your own personal life, that, that's your demons that you're wrestling with personally, but for you to walk through life, to wake up here on a Sunday morning and walk out these doors like that God that made the sun rise, that God that made that mountain, that God is my dad. And he's in, a, he's in rule and authority and in power over all things, and he loves me a lot. Loves me a lot. Can you comprehend that today? See, prayer is about living to your privilege as children of God. And I want us to be a church of people who live to their privilege. In Paul's letters to the Romans, in, in 
chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul is telling them, you guys, you were created for better things. Have you ever got the sense that you were living beneath your privilege? Like, do you know what that means, that idea of living beneath your privilege? It'd be like, you know, you go to fly out of Anchorage tomorrow, and you show up at the counter, and the lady's like, I'm going to give you first class. And you're like, no, I'd like to sit in the back seat, you know, the one where that can't recline by the bathrooms, and you have to stand there by the line of people that are just like dancing around, waiting for their opportunity. I want to sit there. And the lady's like, first class, like, like you can get bumped to first class. Why wouldn't you? No, back seat. Love the back seat. Gonna sit in the back seat. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go back there. That's living beneath your privilege. You have an opportunity as a believer in Jesus, as one of his children, to live a certain way. And what we constantly do is choose things that are beneath our privilege as sons and daughters of the king. What's, what's going on here, you guys, and what this whole series is about is us living out of our identities. The Bible says that you, before you knew Christ, were enemies of God. And so you did what you knew to do, which was to rebel against God, to do what you thought you needed to do to get by in life, just to make it, just to feel like, you know, a little valuable. So you're working and you're striving and you're on that treadmill and you're just trying to, you know, trying to look good and trying to, trying to be good. And, and that's, that's all you knew how to do. But now that you're in Christ, you are a son and a daughter. You are valuable. You are loved. You are treasured. You are one of a kind. So live from that place. We keep running back, though. We keep running back to the old version of us. The whole point here, as Paul's trying to get them to catch, is that you are now a son and daughter of the king. So you call upon your father as the greatest authority on earth, and he's the one that will guide you. So I love drawing in church, and we keep going back to this mirror. Um, and the mirror is sort of a, a metaphor of, of how God sees us, how we see God, and how we see ourselves. Um, and if you have your notes, I want you to pull them out. This is art time real quick. And we're going to do this fast because we're running out of time. But uh, grab your piece of paper. You can do this. And I want you to grab uh, a pen. And I want you to draw two triangles. I guarantee you can do it. Because my four-year-old Grayson can draw two triangles. By the way, um, I'm totally ripping this off from a guy named Mike Breen. Uh, so if you want to read a great book about discipleship and growing as a believer, it's called Building a Discipleship Culture. But... When I read this, it really transformed the way that I saw all of who I am and how that changes what I do and how I live. And so on the top here, I want you to write the word Father. So Ephesians so far has identified God as our Father. And he's not like maybe your father was. And even my dad, I said I'm proud of him, but he wasn't perfect. Um, he blew it sometimes. And, and yet God is the perfect Father. So we need to kind of transform the way we see father for some of you. But he's a, he's a good father. He's a perfect father. And then down here, I'm going to write the word king. Ephesians always has, has already talked about God as the Lord, as the king over the world. And so inside this, other, other, uh, up, this upper triangle, I want you to write the word um, covenant. And down here, I want you to write the word kingdom. 
Now, I don't know how long it's been since you've read through the whole Bible. Maybe you haven't read through the whole Bible. But as you read through the Bible, what you're going to read is this story of covenant and of kingdom. We, we read the story of Adam in the garden. And Adam is in this perfect relationship with his father. And he's in this covenant relationship with God. And the whole world is God's kingdom. So Adam lives in a covenant relationship within the kingdom of the world. But then what we understand is sin enters the world through Adam, and then this covenant is broken. This relationship is then broken. And the story of the entire Bible from then on is a story of God trying to reestablish his covenant with his people and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, right? So you can just read through the Bible. You're going to see so much about this, this covenant between God and his people, this agreement between God and his people, and and God trying to reestablish his reign and his rule on earth as it is in heaven, which will be one day. So down here, I want you to write the word identity. So from God being our father, that's where you gain your identity. I want you to put a little arrow down there. And then over here, I want you to write the word obedience. So this is, this is how the life of a Christian, if you're in Christ, this is how it functions. God is your father. From God being your father, you gain an identity. Not from what you do, not from how many kids you have, not from that, that grade you got on that test, not from your job, not from the clothes that you wear, not from your physical appearance, only from God your father. That's a good thing, right? Isn't that good news? I, that's good news because uh, you're going to waste away like I am. And the older we get, the more we're going to realize that we need to get our identity from something other than how we look or what we do. So our identity comes from our Father, and out of that comes our obedience. And I'm going to call this grace. Now here's what we do, and, and here's what I know some of you have probably spent a lot of your life doing, is you want to take a shortcut and do this. Oh yeah, God's my Father, so I'm just going to do what he tells me to do. This is what I'm going to call law. So I think a lot of believers live in this way. I want to shortcut down and I want to just go straight to obedience. And so you've spent a lot of time getting zero traction, doing things for a short time. You live your life sort of like, uh, like New Year's resolutions. That's how you live your life. Like you resolve by the strength of your own guts to do the right thing for a little while. And that lasts like six minutes, right? And then you're like, well, I, I can't do it anymore. It doesn't, I don't know why. Like I can't, because it's not flowing from who you are. So down here we, ha- we see a king. He's our king. And I want you to write the word authority. So because God is our king, we get authority. And over here, I want you to write the word power. Power. This is where prayer comes in. So because God is king over all things, we just talked about this. He has authority over the entire earth because he has authority. We have authority. And from that authority, we can have power, which is awesome. That's good news. That's why we pray, because prayer actually changes things. Prayer can change lives. It does. It does. I've been praying for you guys this whole week. Somebody here is going to, God's going to do something in you. You're going to experience some kind of breakthrough from his voice on your soul. And it's going to be because, because God wanted to do it and because we were praying for you. And so just look at the life of Jesus real quick. Jesus lived this perfectly. We see Jesus, when he begins his earthly ministry, he gets baptized. And in that moment of baptism, we see God speaking to Jesus. And he says, you guys remember? He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? 
So God the Father gives Jesus an identity as his son who he's pleased with before he ever does his ministry. Isn't that cool? Jesus hasn't gone out and healed people. He hasn't been, you know, been raising the dead. He's just like his son. And God says, you're my son. I'm pleased. What does Jesus do in that next moment? He then goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He fasts and prays. Now, I don't know what it would take to get you to fast and pray and go into the wilderness for 40 days. Um, But I probably couldn't give you enough money to do it. Like for a lot of you, you're like, you couldn't talk me into doing that. But Jesus, I believe what he was doing is he's operating out of his identity. He's like, okay, I am, God is pleased with me. I want to go spend some time with God. I'm going to go, because, you know, we want to spend time with people who, who give us peace with who we are, you know? And so he, he's like, okay, God tells me who I am, says he's pleased with me. I'm going to go spend 40 days in the wilderness with God, obedience. And then what happens when he comes back? Because God is his father, he's also his king. He comes back, and then he starts healing people. He starts performing miracles. It's like Jesus comes back, and he's got authority, and he's got power. Jesus plays this out perfectly in his life within this covenant relationship, establishing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Showing people, this is what, it, what it's like when, when God's in charge. People get raised from the dead. The sick are healed. The the lame walk. People who have nothing are given everything. People who don't deserve anything are given grace. That's the upside-down kingdom of God that's coming. And so think about your life through this lens. This is how we're supposed to live. Now, for some of you, you're like, I get this idea, Father. Yep, that's cool. He loves me. And maybe you even have an identity in him. And you're you're trying to obey him. But you don't really see God as someone who's in authority over that thing in your life. Like you've just given up in that area. But look at this too. I want you to write an arrow down. Out of our identities, we're going to experience authority over those things in our lives that we can't get traction in. And when you are obedient, I'm going to write the word breakthrough. So many of you guys, you know, we pray, to, we pray like, God, just give me, give me uh, the ability to obey. Give me like, can you just make it easier for me to do the right thing? And God's like, just do it. Just do it. And when you do it, when you do what's right, even when you don't feel it, what you're going to experience is power and breakthrough in your life. Because sometimes, you guys, I don't really want to do the right thing. I don't really want to do what God is calling me to sometimes. But when we do it, operate in the power God's given us, we're going to experience breakthrough. So I I want you to just just think about your life real quick. Are you living in this covenant and kingdom relationship with God? Are you operating out of your identity? Are you just trying to please God? I want you to just know, get off the treadmill today. And if you're here today and you have not received Jesus, if you haven't received a relationship with him, I I want you to know you can. It's, It's just as simple as saying, God, save me. Be my father, but also making him your king. You got to make him your king. You can't just say, God, I I, I want you to be my father without saying, I'm going to make you Lord of my life. So could we just pray this together? Jesus, we're grateful for you today. Um, God, I just confess in my own life, I've operated out of law, trying to please you, trying to uh, make things work on my own. God, I just, I need to know who I am. So God, I pray for everyone in this room this morning, God, that they could know 
who they are in Christ, God. And if, if there's someone here who hasn't yet taken the step of receiving their identity in Jesus, God, if, they, if they're here just trying to please you, God, that today could be the day that they walk in grace. God, that they make you king. God, that they experience authority and power in their lives. God, we need this as individuals. We need this as a church. We have a city full of people that need you. And God, so I pray that we would be a community empowered by you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.